January 31st, 2023. We're in Masechet Betzah and Daf Gimal Amud Bet. If you count from the top down, it's eight lines down, two words before the end of the line, Metive. <coughs> the Gemara cites a Beraita, which is questioning <coughs> the last of those two opinions, or the last two opinions, rather, that uh, we had with regards to explaining uh, the Isur in our Mishnah. The prohibition in our Mishnah is a Betzah Shinodah You're not allowed to eat, you're not allowed to handle a egg which is born on Yom Tov. The last two opinions were that of Rav Yosef and Rabbi Yitzhak. It's either a gezera, a uh, rabbinic enactment, a uh, rabbinic uh, gate that they built, mishum mashkin shezavu or mishum perot shenashru. The details of those we've addressed and discussed, the most important part for us today is those are both reflecting rabbinic enactments. Those are isurim midrabanan. And therefore, not under all circumstances, but in situations of safik, of doubt, we generally speaking, the principle in halacha is safik dirabanan lekula. If it's a doubt in the context of a rabbinic law, we go lekula, we're lenient. When it's a safik deoraita, you're dealing with a halacha from the Torah, and somehow how it got developed, and you have a safik in that circumstance, you go lechumra. As a result, this beraita, as I mentioned yesterday, we didn't get up to the line, will reflect the halacha, will project the halacha, that the safek, it seems, in our situation of a betzah tob, which is what we're going to assume is what we're talking about in this beraita, is lechumraz, isur, in a doubt situation. Let me reflect to you what sort of doubt you might be dealing with. You're uncertain about whether this egg was born today on the holiday or yesterday before the holiday. I just don't know. I went out, I missed the chicken coop uh, 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 visit yesterday, and I'm not certain if it was born yesterday or today. What's the halakha in such a circumstance? Well, if we follow those last two opinions, we should and would assume that it's mutati, it's affected a banan lekula. And yet, we're going to see in these words of the Beraita that it's Asur. That's going to be the question here in the Gemara. So the Gemara begins, Metiveh. Again, in Aramaic, the Taf oftentimes switches with the Shin in, in, in Hebrew. And to be Meshiv means to respond. So this is a response to those latter two opinions. Metiveh, uh, we're asking a question from Beraita in a way of a response to those last two opinions. Here we are. Ehad Whether the Beitza is Noda Shabbat or on Yom Tov, that's the way the Hachamim will phrase, whether it's this or that, Ehad Betzah Shabbat, Ehad Yom Tov. So that's the heading, it appears, to this Beraita. Whether the circumstance is that there's an egg born on Shabbat, or whether it's on Yom Tov, the following seems to be true. Number one, First and foremost, you can't move that, you can't move that egg, which was born on Shabbat or Yom Tov, to cover a keli. I have a bowl, I have a jar, I have a jug of some sort. Yesterday I showed you with my cup. Uh, you'd need a real, an ostrich egg to cover this one, but you have now an egg and you want to cover it. Why do you want to cover it? So that bugs don't get in, so that it doesn't get, uh, so that you maintain the temperature, the cool temperature inside of it. whatever it is. Obviously it's not going to be, fa- I assume it's not going to be fastened tightly per se, but that's your purpose. You can't do so on Shabbat or Yom Tov with this item. This item has some prohibition connected to it. That's an ease, what's that? Can't move it, can't move it, it's mukseh. 
Tzorech Mekomo. Yes, if you need the space, you'd be able to. I'm sorry, that I wasn't fully clear to you, uh, Eli. Okay, Velodi Smoch Ba Kirehamita. And furthermore, you're not allowed to, and along the same lines, not only to not cover a, uh, a utensil, but furthermore, if at the bottom of your bed you have a space beneath one of the legs, all the legs, you can't now prop it up with the egg. How would you do so? You'd be very uh, crafty and very uh, scholarly and mathematical and you'd know exactly how to do it on hudo shel beza, on the, the sharp edge of it to make certain that it's not going to crack or you have a very strong egg, whatever it is, but you're not allowed to do so. This was born on Shabbat or Yom Tov. Aval, however, and again, none of these laws, all they're all important and necessary in the scheme of things, in life and halacha. For our purposes in this metive, this question, these are just leading up to the question in terms of what's presented here in the Biraita. Aval, kofe alea etakeli, what you are allowed to do, in contrast to those first two which are prohibited, is if I have that egg which was born and now it's out in the chicken coop, nobody's touching it, but you're nervous that a chicken or some heavy animal or some branch will fall off a tree and break that egg, and I really like that egg, and I want to eat that egg. I know I can't touch it, I can't move it on Yom Tov Shabbat, I can't eat it now, but I'm going to eat it tomorrow. What I can do is I can take a permitted utensil and cover it so that that egg doesn't come to be broken. What's the Hidush? Rashi quotes from the opinion of Rabbi Yitzhak in Masechet Shabbat and Daf Mem Gimal that a keli, any utensil, even the permitted one that I just showed you, my cup, is only nital, can only be carried for a davar hamutar, for something that's permitted. Since over here, rabbinically, since over here the egg is, is prohibited, according to the beats hak in Masechet Shabbat and Daf Mem Gimal, you wouldn't be able to carry something which is permitted in order to cover it or in order to handle it. The Hidush over here is it's not so. We have a mahloket between uh, the Tanaim about whether that's applicable in terms of, again, the utensil which is permitted. Correct, according to Rabbi Yitzhak and Masechet Shabbat. Over here, this bit I test. What's that? Absolutely. Even if you can handle it, you can't cover it. Correct. No, no, that's what he said, I think. I think that's what he said. He said, even though. He wouldn't have said, even though. That's right. He wouldn't have started a sentence with, even though, if he was talking about can't. Yeah. All right. Anyway, say, he says, says the bit I test, and here's, here's where it gets critical for us. Aval, kofi usveka. Asura, and if there's a safik, an uncertainty, it's asur. Now again, uncertainty left us open to all sorts of situations to conjure up in our mind what's the doubt. But the most simple doubt is, as we mentioned at the beginning of this Beraita, the heading was, those are the words. It sounds as if, as I mentioned to you earlier, the safik we're talking about, the uncertainty is about whether it was born yesterday, before the holiday, before Shabbat, or on Shabbat, on the holiday. That seems to be the safik. I mean, what other safik are you going to be talking about? And as a result, the words over here, or the word asura, that the betzah asura, are very difficult. How do you explain the opinions of Rabbi Yitzhak, of Rabbi Yosef, who argued that this whole prohibition is rabbinic in nature from its onset, if, if we're saying now, Okay, but let's first finish the Beraita, because the next words in the Beraita will also come into, come into a necessary play in the next few lines. And if that egg, which was born on Shabbat or born on Yom Tov, was in turn mixed up with even a thousand other permitted eggs. Now there's a question about whether we're referring to, and we'll talk about it in a moment or two. 
Ah, that's, that's the question. So the question is, are we talking about a doubtful egg or are we reverting back to the certain egg? Not my, for, for the moment, it doesn't make a difference. It will make a difference in a few moments as a side point. It's what Tosafot discusses. But let's assume we're talking about the doubtful egg. Right? For the moment, we'll say, so you're dealing with the egg. You're uncertain about whether it was born on Shabbat or on Yom Tov. And now it got mixed into a thousand others. Uh, that's, that's... No, there's a Safek Isur or there's a Vadai Isur. It was born on Shabbat Yom Tov or it was uncertain it was born on Shabbat Yom Tov. And then, not on purpose, because you shouldn't be handling it anyway, your child picked it up and he threw it into the batch of eggs that are waiting to be used. That's all the other eggs were permitted, a thousand of them, at least, if not more. Kulana Surot, they're all prohibited. So that's those... What's, uh, something's going on over here. So those are the last words. Now, again, what we're going to initially zone in on, and then we'll talk about the others, we're going to initially zone in on that second-to-last law, that law of sefeka asur. What's it talking about? What's it referring to? That last law we're going to return to. Before we even return to, I'm just going to tell you, in the middle of this tosafot, somewhat of a long tosafot, v'ahirot, which is really referring to words later on in the Gemara, they quote from Rabbeinu Tam. I just want to quickly mention that. It's a side point in the context of halakha it comes into major play in many circumstances the Rabbeinu Tam questions the following uh, uh, law that's reflected over here he says there is and I think all of us are familiar with at least the words the concept goes like this if I'm uncertain about a situation I'm uncertain if it's permitted or prohibited and then that situation evolves into another situation with another doubt about even if this was prohibited but now under these circumstances it might be permitted, under those circumstances we generally say for one of several reasons, mutar, the more doubts you add to a circumstance and situation, the more permitting. I mean, think about it, and I don't know, you have an employee, and you're uncertain if the employee was acting wrongfully, but not you're uncertain, and you have so many uncertainties about, uncertainties, you're uncertain if they were in work that day. Even if they were in work that day, the records that are reflected over here are not necessarily wrongdoing. You have a lot of doubts, generally speaking, you're going to exonerate the person. You're going to say, okay, okay, I don't have enough evidence that this person actually did something wrong. And so as a result, Rabbeinu Tam questions, if we're talking talking about the egg, which were uncertain whether it was born on Shabbat or before Shabbat, on Yom Tov before Shabbat, and that very same egg, which are uncertain about, it's a 50-50 chance over here for all intents and purposes, it now falls into another batch of a thousand eggs, which are all permitted. It means each egg that I pick up from a thousand and one eggs or whatever is a safek on it as well. It means there are really two safeks. In the first place, I was uncertain whether this was prohibited or not. And now in the second place, even if it was prohibited, it might not be the one that I'm dealing with. That, you're going to say, is Azur. We generally speaking say, safek sefeka is mutar. That's the principle in halacha. As a result, if you've ever heard me talk about halacha, if you've ever had these sorts of conversations with me, it's always the vantage point. Whenever you talk, for example, about Hilchot Shabbat, you question all the angles that you can attack this issue with, not attack, address this issue with. Is this mutar from this vantage point? Even if it's Asur, maybe from this vantage So Rabbeinu Tam has a very cogent, very clear question on this Gemara. That's a question of all three other opinions other than the one that's 
Give me a second on the mukseh. Let me just finish the safek sefeka. But you, it sounds like you're right, but amazingly, the Gemara seems to only be talking about the last two. Um, so uh, just, just to finish that point, Rabbeinu Tam therefore suggests that, again, we had several laws. The last two are the ones we're zoned in on. The second to last is a situation of uncertainty. The last goes back to a situation of certainty. And what I mean by that is the last, when it says, if this end was mixed in with others, it's not talking about the egg which was uncertain whether it was mutar or asur. It's going back to talking about the one we were certain is asur. In that situation, only in that situation, got mixed in with a thousand for some reason, even though we are all familiar with one sixty, we deal with We know sometimes somehow a thousand came in, even in a thousand. Okay, but regardless, Rabbeinu Tam therefore suggests that it's a little detached. You talked first about Safik and then you went back to Vadai, and you're not talking about a Safik Safik situation. Okay, that all on the side because Jared forced me to talk about that. So it says the Gemara over here, says the Gemara, Bishlama Rabba. Uh, this halakha, the second to last one, the safek being asur, is understood, bishlama, it's understood, le rabba, according to the opinion of rabba. Who's rabba? De amar mishum hachana, hafe sefeka de oraita, vecho sefeka de oraita, le humra. And says the Gemara, according to rabba, whose opinion we addressed and discussed, that the whole issue of an egg which is born on Shabbat or Yom Tov is really emanating from an isur from the Torah. Have you saw from the Torah the idea being the item needs to be fully prepared and existent before Shabbat or Yom Tov? We learned that from the man, if you recall. The Pasuk in the Torah says, out of, out, of, out, of, uh, out of necessary description. On the sixth day, all was prepared. Why are you telling me that? That's what Rabbi told us. The Torah is being mehadeshet for us. The Torah is teaching us in that situation that in order for something to be permitted on Shabbat or Yom Tov, it needed to come into being in a time of hope. And therefore, if you have Shabbat going into Yom Tov, you have Yom Tov going into Shabbat, you're dealing with an Isur from the Torah because the egg became fully incubated within the animal the day before its birth. It's not prepared during a time of Heter. You have to wait until after Shabbat or Yom Tov. But who said? But so so Maharsha answers so Maharsha answers your question, uh, Charlie. That the situation this beraita could very well be reflecting a situation where you had Shabbat going into Yom Tov, Yom Tov going into Shabbat, and that's what we're referring to. So according to Rabbah, you're right. It's not going to be all situations, but maybe that's what we're talking about in our beraita. At the very least, you could come up with a case according to Rabbah where there is an isur from the Torah, meaning it was holiday Shabbat, Shabbat holiday, and it was born on Shabbat or on holiday, depending on your situation. However, according to the other opinions, according to those latter two opinions, who argue that we're only dealing with an isumid rabbanan, it's all rabbinic in nature. No, rabbinic in nature, we still respect, we still are very careful about. But makom safek, though, sefeka de rabbananu, means we're dealing with an uncertainty from the rabbis, and the halakha is that when we're dealing with a safek de rabbanan, an uncertainty on a rabbinic enactment, on a rabbinic prohibition, we go lekula, we go leniently. Uh, Jared pointed out to us that we forgot about one opinion. We're really dealing with four opinions with regards to explaining our Mishnah. I kind of reviewed them a little bit yesterday, but we'll quickly review. Our last two, rabbinic violations. Mashkin shezavu, perot shenashru. Our uh, second one, rabah But the first one, we spent the first three, four days on that. Mukseh. 
the very nature of Mukse, everybody knows Mukse is midrabanan. The only things that are asur on, on Shabbat, min ha-Torah, on Yom Tov, are the 39 melachot. So Mukse, that's also midrabanan. How come the Gemara only specifies, this is a question on those last two opinions, on Rav Yosef and Rabbi Yitzhak. So interestingly, in my Gemara, it's a little note here on the side of it. There's a little bit next to the word Lerav Yosef. In other Gemarot, in the Gemara I prepared with this morning, it was on the side of the Gemara in a different way. But you see that little, do you have a note? So in mine, it leads you to the top left corner. You know, different Gemarot presented differently. In the top left corner, in mine, it's top left, and that's a, it, it, uh, it quotes from what's called Tosafot Yishanim. Tosafot Yishanim is a collection from the time of Tosafot, maybe a little bit later, maybe a little bit earlier, whatever. It's a, a collection that for some reason wasn't included in the Tosafot on the Page, but it's a collection that we have, and it says over here, quoting from the Gemara and Daf Kafdalid in Masechet Beza, that when we're dealing with Mukseh, the nature of that rabbinic enactment is stronger than uh, general rabbinic enactments. It's de oraita. It's on the level of the Torah. That's the way the rabbis established. For one reason or another, when it came to Mukseh, they had a different law. Generally speaking, rabbinic enactments. They said, Listen, if you're uncertain, go lekula. When it came to Mukseh, and we have proof for this from Daf Kaftalit, bemakom safek etzasur. So for that reason, the Gemara is only questioning, only asking a question on Rabbi Yitzhak and Rav Yosef. But again, the question then, to put it clearly, for, to a certain extent, we're really back to where we ended yesterday. We didn't really progress all that much. So from a few confusing comments. Uh, the Gemara over here says for us a question, Metive, on Rav Yosef and Rabbi Yitzhak. According to your opinion, that an egg which is born on Shabbat, born on Yom Tov, is only rabbinically prohibited, Midrabanan, a Gezerah, why is it then that this Beraita seemingly black on white states for us that Bemakom Safek, in an uncertain situation, it's prohibited? It shouldn't work that way. It's a great question. Why'd they present different opinions? The Gemara told us the reason when the Gemara went through them, the Gemara said they're presenting those opinions because they're probably following the opinion of Rabbi Shimon, that Muqseh is Muta, this Muqseh is Muta. Says the Gemara, Sefa atan lesafek terefa. Answers the Gemara, says, yeah, you had a misunderstanding through and through in everything we've been discussing until now. We were talking about the second-to-last case in the Biraita. The second-to-last case in the Biraita says Sefeka, one word. Sefeka Asura, two words. What's the Sefeka? So until now, I've been telling you, as the Gemara wants us to understand, the Safek is, I walked into the Kupan Shabbat on Yom Tov, I don't know when that egg was hatched. Was it yesterday? Was it today? When it was born? Today or yesterday? That's not the Safek we're talking about. The Safek instead we're talking about is, whether it came from, that's the way Rabbi Hananel says it exactly as he said, Eli, whether it came from this chicken or that chicken. Who cares which chicken it came from? Well, this chicken is taref. That chicken is kasher. Taref means it has a blemish inside of it which is going to lead to its death. So we have that by animals, we have it by birds as well. Now, that being the case, anything which comes out of something which is taref, so you say, no, but the eggs are, no, the eggs are not permitted. If this animal is taref, so the eggs are taref as well, the eggs are problematic. What's that? It's not an issue with regards to when it was born. It's an issue with regards to whether this egg is taref or not. Alternatively, other mefarshim to the Gemara say a little bit more simply, they say you're uncertain about whether this chicken 
is, has that blemish or not? You haven't slaughtered it yet. You have a question on Yom Tov, on Shabbat, whether this egg came from a kosher bird or not. Well, let's just review that again. A kosher bird, if it's tarif or if it's not tarif, is an isur from the Torah or midrabbanan? Tarif is an isur from the Torah. The Torah more than once tells us you're not allowed to eat animals that are tarif. Uh, for example, you know, that's, to the extent that's varadim today, most varadim are makbid on halak, on glat. That's a whole different level with regards to defining what tarif is. But the base level of tarif, everybody agrees. So the Torah says you can't eat from an animal that had a blemish in it, has a blemish in it, which is going to lead to its death. That's the definition of terefot. As a result, the Torah told us that. I'm uncertain in this situation whether this egg, not when it was born. I know exactly when it was born. It was born yesterday. There's no question about it. Um, What's that? As a result, now let's say it's even born today. There as a result, not no bitul, but safik should be asur. Bitul we're going to have to address in a moment. But right now, as we were saying, again, the whole principle we've been dealing with, we've been questioning and having problems with is the halakha is when I have a doubt on a drabbanan, I go lekula, I go leniently. When I have a doubt on a deoraita, I go stringently. How come the beraita tells me that if I'm uncertain about this egg, all it says, it's asur. What are you talking about? I thought the uncertainty is on a prohibition, which at its level is one of the rabbis. The rabbis, you're uncertain about something, we call likula, that's our principle. How come over here it's asifika asura? The suggestion is for Rabbi Yitzhak and Rabbi Yosef, the safik that we're talking about in this beraita is not about when it was born. That's not the question. We know exactly when it was born. It was born today. That's not going to pose a problem. What's the issue? The issue is terefa. It was born yesterday. The issue is whether the bird which birthed it, the chicken which gave birth to it, was a kosher in this situation or not. Which, the way Rabbi Hananel says, you're uncertain. You walked in and said, oh, I know this was born yesterday. I don't know if it was to that chicken or this chicken. That chicken's the problematic one. Honey, how'd you let that chicken into the coop? Now I don't know which one. That's the safik. It's a safik door. That's why we're going la humra. That's the Gemara's suggestion. Yeah, that's the, uh, you know. What's that? What is that? According to, that's, that's the difficulty here, according to the Bitzhak and Rav Yosef. This has nothing to do with, per se, Shabbat or Yom Tov. And that's why the heading, where we said, Ahaj, you know, Ad B'Shabbat, Ahaj, you know, Ad Yom Tov, is not really relevant any longer. He now gave me a law in the middle, which had nothing to do with it. Exactly why the Gemara assumed not like this, but pushed against the wall, Rav Yitzhak and Rav Yosef are answering that way. That's, that's exactly right. <laughs> So I made, I, made it, I made it up a moment ago without specifying. I said, honey, why'd you bring my, uh, the unkosher? Well, uh, someone made a mistake. You shouldn't. You shouldn't have them together. You should be, you're supposed to d- distance all your terefa things. You don't want any of these confusing situations. 100%. It happened. Heck it. Does that hold for like a cow with milk? So it's an interesting question. I mean, so the answer is, to a certain extent, yes. So you might question, then, how do we drink milk? How do we know where it came from? We deal with, in those situations, all sorts of, with all sorts of statistical roves. We have, we have majorities in play about the animals which are bringing it forth. And we do have a safek on all of them. We say, kol de parish, meruba parish. The majority of where it came from comes from the majority, which are kosher, which is, generally speaking, the case. One egg in a thousand. 
Oh, we're going to deal with that. We're going to deal with that in a second. But on milk, you should know I had and have a Rosh Yeshiva Rabbi Herschel Shachter who had some, I don't remember the specifics, had a statistical understanding some 15, 20 years ago about the dairy products that come forth and stopped eating and drinking all dairy, not for health reasons, for kashrut reasons. Now, many other rabbis who took his words very seriously responded and gave explanations. But that's exactly that. That is a question. You have to deal with statistical analysis and, and, and realities on that. Anyway, says the Gemara, we have a if I ask the Gemara, if this is so, that indeed, when we said sefeka asura, we want to assume that the next words as well, nitareva be'elif, is talking about the same safik. What's the safik? The safik is whether it's terefa or not. Says the Gemara, if that's so, ema sefa. Explain the next words, the final words of the beraita, nitareva be'elif kulan asurot. Why should they be fully asur? Again, we have a principle. Rashi quotes it from the Gemara and Sanhedrin. We all learn it's a pasuk in the Torah. Now the pasuk in the Torah, which says you go based on the majority, is really talking in the context of judgment. But the rabbis apply it to all. We know the halacha. You go based on the majority. And for whatever reason, we can and should and will discuss. Hey, we have this number 60, 160th. But at the very least, we know there's something called bitul. And whatever the measurement is, we'll see later in the Gemara, sometimes it's one in 200. Whatever the situation is, there is something called bitul. Over here it says, afil be'elif lo batil. Why shouldn't it be batil? I know you're dealing with a, a safik from the Torah, but now, and I didn't pick it up and put it into that mix. My child did. My child, I, what are you touching the egg? You don't know where it came from. The child picked it up and put it into the other mix. And now I have uh, an egg which came from a terefa potentially, and it got mixed with a thousand others. You tell me all thousand are asur? For what reason? Bitul. You should tell me that somehow it got annulled. Says the Gemara. It's mixed. Yeah, you're saying it's yavesh be yavesh as opposed to lah be I understand. We have bitul even by yavesh be yavesh. I mean, this is longer and very important conversation. We should, you should be, you know, transferred to be a rabbi. This is what, for, for, for one reason or another, this is what we spent majority of our time doing. And then, you know, then everybody asks you questions about arayat. You have spent all your time, you know, on all these intricate cases. And then, I don't know, the question, how many times do I need to hear hatara? But anyway, you know, that's, you know, that's a good question. It's good questions. And that's what the Gemara over here is assuming you have Bitul over here. So why don't you have Bitul? One second, that, that's a question? So again, well, well, let me just lead you up to what we're up to. The Gemara says, the Safik we're uncertain about, we thought was whether it was born on Shabbat or Yom Tov. We had a question, but that's going to be the Rabbanan. Instead, we said the Safik is on a Deoraita, is on Taref. That being the case, now I understand that. How do you explain the last statement in the, in the, in the Beraita? The last statement in the Beraita is if it's Nitareva Be'elif, it's Lobatil. If it got mixed into a thousand, it's not annulled. Why not? Oh, wait a second. That's a question only based on telling me that the safik, the uncertainty we were dealing with was tarif? What if it was talking about whether it was born today or yesterday? Born on the holiday or not? That was understood then? That was why, why was that good? Says the Gemara, I'll tell you why that was good. And, and, and in turn, we have a question on Rabbi Yitzhak and Rav Yosef. In other words, I can read, Right? 
v'tibatel beruba. So the Gemara introduces us to a very important principle. First I'll explain the principle, then I'll apply it over here. We'll try to get the full picture of what the Gemara is questioning. The concept goes like this. Davar, a matter, shiyesh lo matirin, that will on its own become permitted. The classic example, for one reason or another, whether it should be applied or not, Rambam's conversation about this and others, is hametz. Hametz is a classic example of davar sheyesh lomatirin. It's Pesach, it's hametz. The second Pesach finishes, it's permitted. Uh, understood. Uh, it's not, it wasn't mine. It was the uh, non-Jews. It was the, uh, the no-selling. It's, uh, you know, it's uh, the guy across the street. It's in the bodega. The, the bread on the holiday was asur, fully and completely. Uh, finishes the holiday, now it's mutar. Davar sheyesh lo matirin. Over here, let's think about what, what would be, before we talk about the law and the logic, davar sheyesh lo matirin is this egg. The egg was born on Shabbat. The egg was born on Yom Tov. Now in that circumstance, I have a gezerah midrabanan. I'm not allowed to eat from it. The second Shabbat or Yom Tov is done. It's permitted. That's called davar sheyesh lo matirin. It was, it was prohibited now. It will, on its own, through the passage of time, become permitted. The rabbinic halacha and davar sheyesh lo matirin, surprisingly, or maybe not, is davar sheyesh lo matirin afilu be'elef lo batil. A davar sheyesh lo matirin, an item which will become permitted, is never going to be annulled. Why not? Why are we more stringent than a davar sheyesh lo matirin? Rashi, famous Rashi here on Dafgim al says the reason, quite simply, the rabbis turn to you and they say, you don't have time? You can't just wait. I'm just waiting until the holiday's over. Just wait until Shabbat or Yom Tov is over. They don't want you having loopholes of sorts and bat bitul or whatever. Davashi, it's going to become permitted. There's no bitul on that. That's a davashi yesh lo matirin. Afilu be'elef lo batil. Because at shetochelenu be'isur, tochelenu be'heter are the words. So instead of eating it now, just wait until the rabbis. No loss and as a result, no bitul. No loopholes. That, that's, that's what we're leading to. It'll be Yitzhak and Av Yosef. Ran, Rabbeinu Nisim, in Masech Nedarin, and Daf Nunbet has a different interpretation as to why Davashi Yesh Lo Matirin is Afilu Be'elef Lo Batil. It's an important conversation, also a rabbinical training type of conversation. But for our purposes back in the Gemara, it goes like this. The difference between explaining the Safek Yisur that we're talking about in this Beraita, about being a Safek Terefa, or a safek nolad be Shabbat or be Yom Tov has major ramifications. If it's a safek terefa, I'm uncertain about whether it was born from a kosher animal or not, kosher bird or not. In such a circumstance, it should be batel. In such a circumstance, it falls into a mixture. I say it's batel. No, no, no. It's not matirin. It's not going to become mutar. It's born from an unkosher animal. It's a situation which will never be fixed on its own. You have bitula. She quotes the Gemara says batel berov. If it's instead, ironically, only midrabbanan asur, if it's instead a situation where because it was born on Shabbat or Yom Tov, I'm uncertain, whatever, that's the situation. If it got mixed into others, it should never be permitted. It's davashi eshlo matirim. Piecing it all together, it goes like this. The words in our beraita, we had two statements in this beraita that are necessary for us. Number one, safik asur million dollar statement, we don't know what we're talking about. Number two, if it's mixed into a thousand, it never becomes annulled. I have two options on how to read this. Option number one, the safik asur is talking about a situation of whether it was born on Shabbat or Yom Tov. Uh, do you understand each of those two statements? Statement number one, should it be asur? Shouldn't be asur. We don't understand why it's asur. 
That's only rabbinic. Do you understand statement number two? Nitareva be'elef, it's lo batel. Then I understand that statement because over here it's what we call davar she'esh lo matirin. Alternatively, if I'm explaining this beraita, then it has nothing to do with this isud rabbanam being born on the holiday. First and foremost, I have Jeffrey's question. So what's it doing here in the beraita? But secondly, although I understand why b'makom safek it's asur, when I'm uncertain, I can't eat it, how do you explain that last law? Beats Hakrav Yosef. You just answered that the statement of Safik Asur is talking about you uncertain which animal it came from, which bird it came from. How do you explain why it's never batel? It's not the Vashiyesh Lomatirin. It's not a situation which is ever going to become permitted. Something that's unkosher, never become kosher. Unless it's circumstantial, unless it's Hametz, unless it's born on Shabbat or Yom Tov. But you were just arguing to be its Hakrav Yosef that that's not the case. How do you explain those words? That's the question of the Gemara over here, with a lot of fundamental statements, but the Gemara then asks, it says, listen, I, I understand your initial answer. Your initial answer was, why is Sefeka Asura? You said it's talking about it, Safek Terefa. However, I can't understand, Ema Sefa, read the last words in the Beraita, Nita'areva Be'elef. If it's mixed into a thousand, Kulan Asurot, they're all prohibited. How do you explain that? Yeah, Marta. If the safik, the uncertainty we were talking about was whether it was born on Shabbat or before Shabbat, on Yom Tov or before Yom Tov, you have this funny and interesting concept known as davar The rabbi said if it's going to become permitted, it's never permitted beforehand, even if it's mixed into thousands on top of it. And as a result, there's no bitul. You just answered me. You just explained. We're talking about not a situation. I'm uncertain whether it was born on Shabbat or not. I was born on Yom Tov. You told me it was talking about I'm uncertain which animal was born to. And as a result, it might be an isur from the Torah. Ironically, in such a circumstance, if it's mixed into others, that's never going to become permitted. You should have bitul berov. Rashi quotes it here from the Gemara Masechet Sanhedrin. Uh, you, I mean, we can, we can discuss it based on Sevara, but at the very least, we know it's a Pasuk from the Torah, and it's a principle. I, I, I appeal to everyone's knowledge of the principle. Everybody knows. Yes, you call the rabbi. Was it a Bitul? Was it Rov? Was it all that sort of, So that's the statement here in the Gemara. So, so that's the question. We're stuck now, again, the way we began the class, on questioning Rabbi Yitzhak and Rav Yosef, as much progress as they made, as we made, in defending their opinion and suggesting that this Beraita was not talking about their case, we only got thrown back into to square one. Yes? I would think that it's more halut to be strict on something that's Terefa, let's say, or something that's going to eventually be a Matir. Again, the logic is the opposite way. According to Rashid, the lo- logic goes like this. It goes specific. Always let's 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 go with a different vantage point. We always want to be matir. We always want to be that's bitul, bitul, bitul. However, there's a, a, the yosemin hakelal over here is davar sheyesh lamatir. Since it's going to end up becoming mutar, as Rashi says, so then it's so then it's we're not going to allow it for it before it. There is no bitul. All thousand until you wait after. No, no, but once the holiday finishes, it's all. Yeah. One of them is actually us. So, so I think you're you're asking to a certain. That's what Jared was getting to. So. 
so they're saying a thousand, but one of them is actually is actually asur. So, 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 so the, the premise is that it's mutar. The premise is that it, it became annulled, that it's non-existent any longer as an isur. It now became mutar. Let's use those words. You know, which will make it. No, then that's not bitul. No, says the Gemara. Says the Gemara. Just, just. It's mixed in a thousand. Yeah. Can I, can I have it right away? You can eat all of them, absolutely. Of course, of course. But you couldn't mix it in. You're not allowed to be in the Vatelli Absolutely. The only problem is when it's kosher, but it was born on Shabbat, we have a Right, exactly. Says the. The concept is in halacha. Listen, in the world of kashrut, behind your your and I back, dealing with this all the time. There's questions all the time of percentages. Now you can't and I can't go ahead and say, oh, this is asur, but I really want to eat it. Let me throw it into this batch. It doesn't work that way. But your wife, you are kind of. I feel like you might be correct. You're cooking and something fell in. So that's the statement. That's what we're talking about. So if this egg got mixed in with a thousand permitted ones, we're talking about what's called bitul. It should be permitted. They should all be permitted. What's the difference like between the thousand and the sixty? Maybe I missed it. Different circumstance. Over here, we're saying afilu There is no bitul be'elif. It's an exaggeration. Ah. Definitely not in sixty. Let's say, last. Depends on the, situ- the specifics. It depends how you found them. It depends how they got mixed in. There's, there's lots of qualifications over here. But in the most simple sense, yes. Bitul Birov. As says the Gemara, just lastly, let me just introduce this, this last few words. Says the Gemara, maybe the way to resolve this is with a new law. It's another rabbinic enactment of another Yosemina Kelal exclusionary type of case. We just mentioned today one exclusion. We always say, I know a 60th, I know a Rov, I know, uh, I know those sorts of things. We gave a new one today. We came up with something called Davar Shiesh Lamatirin, Afilu But there's another one, there are several others. The other one is what's called Davar Hashu. Now, those are hard words to translate because hashub means important. How do you define importance? How do you quantify? How do you objectify something that's important? So, so says Mars, maybe it's expensive. How do you define expensive? Reminds me of my philosophy uh, teacher in college. He said to me, not me, my friend. He said, how do you define someone who's rich? You can't define rich. He said, no, it's someone who has a million dollars. So, so, so if I have $999,000, 999,099 cents, I'm not rich? So my friend smiles, Talmudic guy. I said, yeah, you're not rich. And that's what he said, that's preposterous. What I'm saying is it's hard to quantify. How do you say? But there is a concept, and we're going to deal with it in the Gemara. The Gemara suggests maybe a betzah is hashubah. And in those circumstances, when something's distinct, the concept is, for one reason or another, we'll have to address, it never is batil. Maybe that's why the betzah, it has something, nothing to do with the status of the egg, how it was born, what it was born to. It has to do with the fact that it is a davar hashub. It's a filu be'elif lo'bayi. Never gets to know this. Never off the mind of the person. Maybe that's why. That's what the Gemara will deal with in the ensuing run. Baruch Adonai le'olam. Amen ve